What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Super Otaku Show. As always, I'm Scott, joined by the Shooting Star Sheriff himself, Sharif. How you doing? You already know the vibes, yo. The Shooting Star Sheriff is here, and I'm here to talk more nerd stuff with you guys. And, of course, my Roman half. How you doing, Aaron? I'm doing great. Mortal Kombat 2021 was not a good movie. Boom! Coming in with the hot takes! But it was a great Mortal Kombat movie, so how's that? You figured it out. Ah, dude. People are so broken on this movie. I just, I just, like, I... We won't go into detail. This will be saved for, like, a completely different podcast, but I just didn't think it was a good movie. Oh, like, no, that, that, you're right. It's not a good movie. It's a great Mortal Kombat movie. Bad movie. A terrible actual movie. I feel like it's a bad Mortal Kombat movie. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> go watch the other like, two. Answer, answer me. Well, yeah, the other Mortal Kombat movie. We don't talk about that. But, like, you answer me this before we go on, because I don't know Mortal Kombat lore as well. Um, the main character of this movie isn't a Mortal Kombat character, right? No. I they just not. made him up. No. Okay, weird. just wanted to make sure that they they decided consciously to make to make a new main character that does not have any relationship to the Mortal Kombat universe, except for God, I we gotta talk about this movie some other time. We'll go. They, they made them. some choices. Uh, it made choice. That's the way of putting it. It made some choices. <laughs> it made some choices. I think we can all agree on one thing though. The Sub-Zero ice particle effects on everything were pretty dope. Yeah, like, no, comp yeah, that was competently sick. made effects, but I saw some people saying, like, oh, the fight scenes were awesome, bro, and I was like, the fight scenes were slow and clunky. They looked bad at some parts, like, genuinely bad. The finishers were cool, and that was the trick, is they trick you <laughs> with the, with the, by, like, having, like, true-to-the-game fatalities and stuff but that's a whole the other first, story first seven minutes were dope as fuck and i was like i'm all right i'm ready for this movie then it was like nah it's a bad movie now <laughs> to segue out of this i'm just gonna tell you guys to go watch mortal kombat legends scorpion it's the cooler version of the of, of the mk 2021 movie uh anyway uh, as always we're gonna start up the top of the show by talking about what we've been watching this week as far as the animo is concerned aaron Yes. You've been watching anything? You look like you're I, like excited, like you're, you've got this prediction thing going right now. Yes, I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming back with something strong uh, because I did watch something anime related, which I did not last <laughs> week. I last night just went to go see Demon Slayer: Muzen Train. Hell yeah! That, that that's really cool. That's actually on our news list. I've got some we, we got a crazy bit of news for yeah. me, in my opinion. We can just this. tie that in if we want. Like, it's just, let's let's just go with it now. If we're talking about yeah, Demon Slayer: Muzen hey. Train. Uh, so yeah, first things first. I was going to say, I saw it too. So. You guys both saw it. So I haven't even finished season one, so I guess that's what I'm doing the rest <laughs> of the weekend. Uh, so here, here's my crazy the news coming out uh, about the Demon Slayer uh, Mugen Train movie is that it was the number one in the box office, in all American box office this week. It is mm -hmm. also on track to be the highest grossing anime film in the U.S. ever. Uh, beating out the Broly movie, uh, which is pretty crazy. Uh, people are Hell thinking because yeah. uh, Broly yeah. made like nine point eight its first three days, and Demon Slayer made nine point five just on Friday, million yep. dollars. That's that's wild. Uh, it's it's cool to see anime movies doing so well, especially in like this where we're just getting to a mildly safe point in the pandemic. Yeah, no, this was this was a smart release date uh, because like. 
in most of the U.S. Like, obviously, the statistics right now are, like, more than half of the adult population of the U.S. is fully vaccinated. Um, like, I just got my first vaccination two weeks ago. Um, so I should be getting my second one soon. And then, like, on top of that, I think what makes this movie, it's just, they, they know, they knew what they were doing because for the one thing, unlike a lot of anime movies, this one is absolutely necessary watching if you want to continue the Demon Slayer series afterwards. It's, it's in a, just a full arc of the comic. It's, it's like, go, takes the end of season one and I assume that season two will start right at the end of mm -hmm. uh, the film. Like it's an absolutely mm -hmm. necessary part of the, the um, comic. Mm -hmm. Plus, um, I don't know, like, I think that every other movie that's coming out right now is available on some streaming service. So it's, like, the only one that I think was going to really pull people out of the, the, like, their homes because there's no other way to view it. We thought, I thought that Funimation said they were going to put it out. It is going up digitally in, I believe, two weeks. Okay. Um, so Even smarter move on their part. They knew what they were doing because they knew people would be impatient. Yeah. Their, like, core audience would just go regardless. Yeah, definitely, man. So uh, that's just a bit of cool news to tie us into everything. Super jealous you guys got to go out to the movies. I don't even think the theater by me was showing it, which is lame. Uh, curse you, it's Florida. weird. I will say, I, this is the first time I've been to a theater in over a year. It was very strange going back. Um, also, we went to an AMC theater because all the Alamo Draft Houses were completely sold out for this movie. Um, and I was like, ah, fuck. So we went to an AMC, and so I'm, I'm just I'm, – I'm unused to the corporate movie theater atmosphere. And so, like, when they're showing commercials at the beginning of the movie, I'm like, go away. That's like, funny. I want to be at Alamo where they'd be showing some weird... I don't... Okay, so I don't know... If... Scott, you've been to an Alamo. You went to the yeah, one in New York, I, I, right? Yeah, and I've been with you. We went and saw JoJo. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, for those of you who don't know, uh, Alamo Drafthouse is a Texas-based movie theater chain uh, with... I think one location in New York, one location in LA and the rest in Texas. Um, and what they do is at the beginning of the movie, rather than show you commercials and stuff from their sponsors, they just play bizarro stuff they find on the internet. That's tangentially related to whatever you're going to be watching. It, it might not even have, it could be so <laughs> loose, the connection. So like, I feel like if I went to go see Demon Slayer at Alamo, I would be seeing like some weird YouTube video where people are cosplayed. You remember those, like, dancing videos where they would cosplay as yeah. uh, anime characters, but it would just be a dance battle? Like, mm -hmm. I feel like that's what I would end up seeing. That's and I'm super jealous I missed out on that. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> as a quick thing, since you guys both watched the Demon Slayer movie this week, uh, what, what do you guys say? Like, is it thumbs up, thumbs down? Oh, it's thumbs up. Definitely yeah. thumbs up. If you, I mean, if you're nervous about going to go see, going to the movie theater, wait the two weeks, watch it online. Yeah. Um, but... If you if you're just itching to go see it, like it's definitely it's it's definitely a must see, especially if you have or if you are a Demon Slayer fan, like it, it it's a must watch. I went I went wearing my Tanjiro my Tanjiro uh, <laughs> jacket, so um, I will say uh, a couple of things I'm really happy about. I'm happy that Zenitsu is uh, somewhat toned down. Like I know people who Zenitsu makes the entire show unwatchable to them. He is that much of a hindrance to the entire narrative. He's so annoying. Um, he's a little more toned down. There was bad... Uh, on the flip side, there was a lot more crying than I was expecting. 
from uh from the main character which i like i don't remember him crying as much <laughs> during the entire first season than he cries in this movie um i suppose he has good reason to cry but it's just like i you are crying so much in this film right now <laughs> we don't also, dislike for... crying we just like that being the singular thing a character does in a series <laughs> just so everybody knows i love the main oh, character boy. demon slayer i like his um his general because his general disposition is just that he is an extremely kind human being <laughs> like that is his thing it's not that he's a goofy prankster or an overbearing like uh he's like not an overbearing shonen protagonist he's just so nice mm -hmm. that he he creates a warm aura around him and they even they go even further with that in the movie where they just like even his entire soul is just a clean slate and it's just beautiful i love that his superpower is that he can smell things real good yeah i wish <laughs> yeah all i all the I'm, thing all i'm thinking about is um that it's always sunny episode where they're trying to write a movie and they're writing a movie about what if a guy can smell crime? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I think about every time he's on screen. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, anyway, let's, we're going to pull it back for a second away from the Demon Slayer movie. Uh, Sharif, did you watch anything else this week? Uh, any other cool things in the Animoverse? Well, actually, they re Well, actually, Funimation actually re-released one of uh well it, it actually was kind of unwatchable at one point and i remember watching the whole thing on youtube at one point um but funimation actually just brought back probably one of my personal favorite comedies in anime and that is daily lives of high school boys um, so which one. if you don't know literally the title says it all <laughs> well uh, now i guess so i'm gonna write it down i'll watch it okay <laughs> So it's so it's by Studio Sunrise, which S Studio Sunrise is mo more well known for doing the Gundam anime. They're they're pretty much the studio that does like all the all the Gundam anime. Now that's um, the studio. That's but got Daily, right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but Daily Lives of High School Boys is literally just a gag comedy, just anime series, which is these three guys, these three high school boys, li literally being high school boys. Like it's. It's it's just the wackiness, but like a lot of the stuff is super relatable because it's like it's three guys that are bored. <laughs> they just do whatever they want. I mean, that sounds good to me. Uh, anything else cool on the on the watch list for the past week? Uh, no, not in the last not in the last week actually. But that that one was pretty good because that was a that was a nice little rewatch for me. So. Uh, yeah. I do want to watch, like, I know it's not on our list, but I really want to watch Odd Taxi. I know they released that, and it, it just yeah, looks it just so good. Um, I, I guess uh, for me, once again, I was the one who went weirdly hard this week. I've, uh, <laughs> I have started to watch less YouTube uh, and more anime or TV shows. Anime. Uh, I've been trying to step away from the YouTube pretty heavily, because I, I feel like while I love it's a dark place. content... It like it doesn't leave you creatively like psyched up, right? Like you might be no, it doesn't. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a pretty rare thing. Like it, it normally, it's like a really in-depth video essay by somebody like Super Eye Patch Wolf or Totally Not Mark that makes me like I want to make something. But like for as much as yeah. I love Red Letter Media, I never finish the best of the worst and go. I'm gonna go make a thing now. <laughs> Actually, I I'm kind of the opposite. Where I when I see a best of the worst, I watch that and I'm like, I could just go out and make a movie. 
I could just make a movie and sell it. Like, that's the thing these people that made these movies did. They just went out and they just made a movie. And it's bad, but they sold it. <laughs> like they, it's on a sellable, like, piece of material. <laughs> like, I watch Just by... That's how I watch those. Just, just go to Netflix and be like, hey, I got an idea. <laughs> Listen, Netflix... I know, I know you don't care about what. If, what if I? I'm just gonna give him the most wild pitch I can think of. It's not Netflix. You just go. You go to Amazon Prime. They will put anything on there. <laughs> anything. Yeah. Is Amazon Prime the new like go go to for? I'm, well, it, that's if you have something already made. Yes. If you want to make something, you go to Netflix. That's true. So yeah, that's the two avenues. If you guys want to make stuff, you can. They'll make anything. Uh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I watched a lot of stuff this week. Uh, I've I watched the. Uh, uh, about a full season's worth of Fruits Baskets, because uh, I love nice. Fruits Basket back when I was younger, and I never finished it, and I've been enjoying the new animation. Very pretty, very well told. It's pretty, yeah. Uh, I caught up with... What else did I... I, I really love... Uh, this is a series technically from the, the winter season, but Hori Mia is an incredibly adorable uh, like rom-com type deal uh, that, that I... The, the initial premise is about a girl who is, like, seen as, like, super prim and proper, and a kid who is seen as, like, the emo kid, and they kind of run into each other outside of school, and it turns out that he is this, like, tattooed, pierced, punk-looking guy, and she is, like, a busybody who likes to stay at home and clean, and they just become friends. And it's about everything goes on after, but it's very well done, and I... I, like, I normally like dubs, but I don't, like, love them, right? Like, I, I can kind of do either. Uh, mm -hmm. I genuinely mm -hmm. love some of the voices in the dubs. Uh, yeah, TaylorMade Otaku just said Hori Mia is fantastic. Like, it definitely is, is, is something <laughs> I, I've been in love with. What's up, cuz? <laughs> uh, so, I've been watching that. Uh, what else? I, I watched some... Uh, uh, oh, I, this is the one that I needed to bring up because this is the one I need Sharif to watch because he, he's gonna feel deeply uncomfortable by it and I know it is uh, uh oh please, god uh, uh, stop picking on me Miss Nagataro or whatever it is uh, oh you you started watching that oh, I did oh, oh, oh yeah I've and, heard about that I've heard I, about that I love I it I saw the trailer and I'm like what is the how are they extending this premise out so long uh, so I like it a lot I think it's super funny I am curious to see how it keeps going but there is. There, it is definitely like a mix between a gag manga mm -hmm. and like a tsundere rom-com yeah I, I got those vibes watching the trailer okay yeah I, I have we, a friend I, I have a friend that's watching that or I think Taylor made will talk Taylor about is, it Taylor just said that he likes it as well because <laughs> um, what I will say is I think the thing that makes it interesting is because it's super obvious to the audience that Nagataro is more than just the, like, mean, like, Yankee Gyaro girl that she looks like. Uh, uh -huh. The only reason she picks on him, the, the main character, is because she does think he is a worthwhile and interesting person. She's mean about it, because mean high school girl. Um, but <laughs> but as you pay attention to the series, like, those. she doesn't care about anybody if you don't have, like, she loves art, is what it is kind of the building factor. He's mm. a great artist, and she cares about that, whereas, like, the other people that she meets you get a brief example in like episode three or four she doesn't give a fuck about because she thinks they're bland because they don't really love or care about anything they do because they suck but anyway that's that uh the, the last thing i'm gonna met yeah no, sorry oh, i was gonna say i watched one more thing oh. uh because my my fiance was watching it um 
I, it's a show I had watched before, but then I, I stopped and didn't get to watch season two. Uh, I finished up uh, everything they have for Kake Guri. Uh, Guri? You know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. Kaki, the, the yeah, Kaki Kaki Guri Guri. Yeah, I know yeah the, the, anime, the, the gambling one on Netflix. Um, I do yeah. think it's an interesting anime. I do love the, the fun games they come up with, like like because they they they're constantly making these ridiculous gambling games that nobody would do in real life um some there's some actually gambling games where i was like oh this would be really fun to play with a group of friends actually like some of these games are like legit fun sounding um and i like the the basic premise of the main character who is not overly clever or all that interesting her superpower is essentially that she just likes gambling for the fun of it so she does not like to cheat she does not like to uh like um like her her basic premise is like she gets a rush from pure gambling which in her mind is like chance like putting everything on chance Mm -hmm. it which is very contradictory Mm -hmm. to some of the other characters who are trying to outsmart now game each other uh all to like get higher up in the school's ranking system and to get more money and, and basically all the stuff that comes with it. And she's just there like, I get orgasms from gambling. <laughs> like, it's the best. Yeah. Uh, did you finish that first season? I finished I finished both seasons that are available. Okay. I have seen okay. that. This, yeah. this okay. Well, it's pretty great. Know. I like the, the finale to the second season. Like, the final game they play is really fun um with the with the tower it's a super cool premise like how uh how they figure out how the tower works and everything i love it it's really cool uh but i will say they all are very are like too smart <laughs> like every every character in that series is like way too smart <laughs> except the character from who you're watching the show with like the watson of the show which is the the main guy the main male character who's just like an observer basically he's a weird character because he doesn't have any thrust in the story he has like no agency whatsoever he's just like i'm here and i don't want to go broke (laughs) everybody needs one of them uh where's my watson yep so uh, the last show i watched and i mostly bring this up because i i wanted to make a formal request for the group uh so i watched i am current Mm. i am now current on megalobox to nomad and uh, I know we, we only re- are required for our six shows that we all agreed to watch for the reviews in the next mm-hmm. week or two. Everybody only has to watch the first two episodes, but I am going to formally request that for Megalobox, you watch the first four. Okay. Um, and the reasoning behind this is that the okay. first four make a completely encapsulated arc that are very okay. good and I think really lend a lot of credence and heart. Especially, I know, Sharif, you, you said you started with Series 1. Uh, of Megalobox. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I like overall, I, I'm really enamored with Megalobox uh, Nomad so far, and I, I just when I watched, I, I thought all four of those episodes feel kind of required, just to as like a block. They they could have been a movie, and I, I would have been <clears throat> down with that. But that's enough for what I've watched in anime. I think it's now time for some more news as we move on to our news segment. So yeah. we covered a first thing, uh, which is just the. Mugen Train doing absolutely banging. Uh, the next thing, uh, I think Sharif might get a, a kick out of this and be just as sad at the same time as I am. Uh, Square Enix, this comes by way of Kotaku, is making a new 
uh, JRPG for, sadly, cell phones called Gate of Nightmares, but all the character design is by Hiro Mashima. Uh, if you don't know, he is the artist and uh, mangaka of Fairy Tale and Rave Master and Eden Zero. So it's just a weird mm -hmm. thing. It's it's really cool artwork. Uh, I hope it's a decent game. I hate that it's an iOS game. I feel like that's a waste of getting such a great artist like Mashima, but I just thought it was really interesting because I don't know him working on anything else like I... that. There's been like a really weird trend or like uptick of like really notable people working on like uh, smartphone games. Mm -hmm. Have you heard about the Yoko Taro one called Sindo Alice? Is that Yoko Taro? Yeah, Yoko Taro did the the guy who did Near, which is funny because Near came out this week uh, as well, which I've been playing that. But yeah, um, Yoko Taro last year came out with a game called Sin, Sin No Alice, um, which it was a game that uh, he he's he's kind of like the brains behind, which you know, he's he's gotten a lot of popularity since Near Automata, so yes. yeah, he's he's got a game in the works too. Uh, it is also funny just to. to little like tangent off this looking and seeing how much he has like toned down his character design from back when near like the original year came out to automata because like all the characters in automata are supposed to be like sexy sexy like lolita people but like your sister in the original mirror literally has like assless dress like <laughs> panties <laughs> <laughs> it's weird yeah. I, I I am normally somebody who's very okay with fan service and I normally dig it but I feel like it's weird and I kind of prefer the Americanized designs of the original Nier game where it was your dad and your daughter <laughs> but anyway that's neither here nor there well yeah I feel you well Replicant was the series where well Replicant's the version where you're the son so, which we never got in the states. Yeah. So, because uh, they're the same game, it just changes the the father uh, and, and daughter dynamic to the brother sister dynamic. As far as I know, like other yeah. than that, it's the exact same game. It's just those character models and titles change. Uh, yep, 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 yep. But it's weird because I get because you're like the sister is just like super like scantily clad and, and like. I was like, this is weird. What? What? It's okay to be, like, really hot and overly sexy, but, like, why can I see your whole ass literally? Like, that just doesn't seem like a good choice for clothing and apparel in this post-apocalyptic world. Like, where everyone else has clothes. That would have been a good segue into our main topic, honestly. But <laughs> It really would have been. Uh, well, like, you know what? We're going to kind of almost use it as one because our last news story it's just a fun fluff piece that uh pokemon has a cool thing coming to the Na uh, national museums of nature and science in tokyo where they're going to be putting up pokemon fossil images and uh displays detailing what creatures inspired the pokemon so, oh cool i just that's thought that cool. was fun oh now, that's neat but i'm still really distracted by assless panties in the post-apocalyptics <laughs> post-apocalypse so aaron Bring us in to our topic of the show. What are we talking about? Sure. Today we're talking about uh, a staple of uh, many shonen anime and anime in general, uh, fan service. Now, fan service in the context of anime, do it, Scott. Break that TOS. 
I mean, you don't technically <laughs> break tailwinds if you just tie it right below the boobs. That's fine. true. You can do that. No I, nipples is the rule. No nipples. I would do it, but I just I, this out. is a new shirt, and I like it. I've only had it a few weeks. Can I just say how weirdly arbitrary, like the like sexualization of nipples is compared to the rest of cleavage? Like, <laughs> like if you you could get like as close to being like it'll just be like tassels, and it's like PG thirteen, perfectly. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> tassels. If you take off. If you take off the nipple rings, like whoa, whoa, <laughs> hold on, I don't, I'm, I'm with the free the nipple movement. Uh, hashtag free the nipple. Let's get that going. <laughs> Let's get that trending again. Actually, did you know here in Austin, Texas, you can uh, go shirtless uh, if you're a man or a woman, and it's it's completely legal. It shouldn't Not be for coming some to Texas. <laughs> what? It's so freeing. <laughs> Actually, the only I've only seen like women topless here once, and it was at a um, like I was watching a, a musical performance, um, oh. and the woman on stage was shirtless. So like that's like the only time I've ever seen that law ever being used to its full effect. <laughs> like hell yeah, <laughs> let's go. Um, anyway, uh, it's mostly for old men in their seventies who they want to go out by skin cancer. They're just like. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> free the nipple, <laughs> and their areolas are like the size of dinner plates, and you're like, "What are you?" Oh god! <laughs> oh god! Now that we have thoroughly scarred Sharif. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I will get back to the the task at hand now. Fan service as a concept does not only apply to anime. Um, fan service in general is simply. Uh, recreating fan expectations in media uh and this can this can be many things like um an example i hear a lot of is like uh like tech or mechanical fan service uh a, a one that's used a lot is star trek where they just have these long panning shots of the ship so you can get like you get to see all the detail you can kind of like take it all in because fans love the technical aspects of all the ships and stuff in Star Wars, uh, and, it's having every scene start and end by somebody clicking a lightsaber on. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I would describe, like, a, a, a good way to understand fan service in, like, Western media is, like, the entire last season of Game of Thrones. Oh, oh God, we lost him. Gone. We lost him. Shreve, come home. Oh, he's come back. He's just a curl currently a spinny disc. <laughs> he's back. <laughs> He's back. He made it. Um, okay. uh, the entire last season of Game of Thrones is essentially all fan service. Like, uh, Clegane and uh, and uh, the Mountain having their fight is is nonsense fan service in the context of what they did with it. It's just like we all wanted to see them fight, and so the show was like, okay, we're gonna have them fight in the most ridiculous of circumstances that don't make any sense to the to the story or where these characters were heading individually. We just need to have them fight because that's what the people want. Um, I guess that's a spoiler yeah. for the end of Game of Thrones, if anybody even cares at this point. Um, but when we are talking about fan service in the context of anime, usually one thing specifically comes to mind, and that is the sexual sexualization or ob objectification of female bodies, usually female bodies. Uh, sometimes I've been watching Fruits well. Basket, and it's always the guys. Um, but essentially, the objectification of the 
of the feminine form is usually the thing most otakus associate with the word fan service, and that includes, like, close-up shots of breasts uh, for no other reason than to have them displayed prominently. Upskirt up shots are, of course, a age-old classic. Um, and there are many reasons for some of these that go into more kind of, like, historical backgrounds to Japan's uh, culture. Um, for example, I'll give you I'll give you an interesting one. This is kind of like a history fun fact. Uh, Japan's obsession with panties specifically um, comes from so during the Meiji period, Western clothes began to get introduced into Japan, uh, but panties were like high end clothing. Like you had to be rich in order to afford them. After World War II ended, uh, Japan Japan's economy went south like completely. And the only people who could afford panties were high-end prostitutes that were servicing uh, allied forces that had occupied the space. And so panties become synonymous with promiscuity and sexual sexualization, um, which is why, like, those upskirt shots are highly titillating, not just because they are uh, breaking basically the character's agency but also because the panties itself represents to japanese people uh hyper sexualization and promiscuity fun right that's a, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a that's a like neat thing it's that's yeah. actually pretty neat yeah i mean it's it's not neat for the women it's just a fun fact <laughs> i mean well you know it's i mean it's a history lesson so i learned something that was got neat. history's fun guys um so and sometimes it's specific to historical but like the further we get into this conversation, I do have like some writing that I want to uh, read to you guys. It's quite interesting, and it talks a bit about the history of fan service as it relates to anime. Um, but we will kind of do a little bit of roundtable and talk about what fan service means to us and where often do we see it and how do we engage with it. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's I, that's okay. what I was waiting for. Okay. I was like, what is the okay. crux of this conversation? Are we just we I was, listening? I mean, top I, would, I, mean I can shots? go first. Go yeah, for it. absolutely, Sharif. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, okay. So, when it comes to, I mean, man, and like the thing of it too is like fan service changes depending on like the show and like the demographic and who it's catered to. Right. I mean, as I've gotten, as I've gotten older, fan service is depending on like if we're talking specifically like what Aaron was talking about, like the like the sexual kind of version of fan service where it's most you know for you know for a lot of the shows i watch and you know it'd be like the women and stuff and at my age now it's it's pretty passable i'm just like eh, it's what you know like it's one of those things like i just get through i like i just kind of turn my brain off just to get through but there are some shows that are really good but then have fan service for no reason um one show that i would like to bring up in particular is fire force I really love Fire Force. It's a really good show, but there is one particular character. <laughs> it's not her fault. No, it's it's just like her literally love. the show. <laughs> but it, that's what I'm saying. In her show, her power is that literally some type of way she will be sexually groped, or her clothes will come off for no apparent reason. Like she tried putting on her clothes, and her clothes kept coming off. And I was just like, what Why? Why is this here? <laughs> What, what do they call the power? Her lucky lecher? I forgot. I think it's like, oh, yeah, lucky lecher. Yeah, lucky, lucky, her lecher, lucky lore. lecher power or whatever. Lucky oh, lecher yeah. lore because it's alliteration. That's so bad. Uh, <laughs> so bad. It's an amusing but, but, gag the first time. 
Yeah, but like I'm in season like but like there's a whole nother season of Fire Force and I'm like we're still doing this. <laughs> like we still we still here. So like there's some there's some shows where it's just kind of like it's kind of like a groan to get through because they 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 make it like it's 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 cool, it's a joke, but then like after a while it's kind of like okay, whatever. Right. Um but then there's like really good fans. Well, for me it's like good fan service like in um like when I was watching uh, Gundam Bill Divers, they do these special episodes called uh, Bill Diver Battle Battle Logs, and it's really cool because in the Gundam Build universe, you can build any Gundam you want and fight anybody you want. Mm-hmm. So Gundam uses it as like a cool cash cow to have Gundams from past series like fight each other, like God Gundam against like Strike Gundam, or like my personal favorite is like Gundam Barbatos versus like. Like versus like Zeta Gundam or something like that. Like that's like for me that like that gets me amped because I'm just like, oh, there's all these like you know different characters, different Gundams being used from different series, and they're fighting each other. Because you know like that's kind of like the fan thing in Gundam is like I wonder how this Gundam would fight against that. Absolutely, that stuff's cool. That absolutely, I love that type of stuff. And you're right, that does fall under the purview of Gundam. Gundam's actually one I I uh, stumbled across a lot in my reading because they would often talk about how like the suits of armor themselves are are kind of fan like fan service like they'll kind of like long pan pan um like panic shots of them and like anytime they like highlight the details of the gundams and things like that is in in and of itself uh fan service because the fans are there for the gundams they're like they buy the toys they build them themselves they want to see the nitty-gritty they want to see the detail uh and that that is a form of fan service that kind of uh recycles itself but doesn't seem um, like in the zeitgeist, I don't think most otakus would like think of it as fan service, because again, like usually in anime, when we're talking anime, like when somebody says fan service, everybody's mind just goes to like an upskirt shot. Like that's that's like everybody's first thought yeah. when you say fan service, which is interesting that it's so it's much more of a prominent thing that it kind of took the word from a popular use and like focused it hyper specifically on one thing. That it was so prominent. Now, I will say, now I will say, and I guess this is a question for everybody. Mm-hmm. So, how do you guys? So, how do you guys feel about shipping in anime? Because that's, I think that's a fan servicey thing too. It can be depending on that's if huge. The, I think that's if, a huge fan servicey thing. If the anime itself uh, then actually acts on those kind of like fan queries of like who's gonna get with who that kind of thing you're right i I do see that as a kind of fan service uh and i don't know to be honest like i guess it depends sometimes it's just kind of a hindrance to the narrative as a whole like they feel as though these two characters need to be together because they they, you know they've been like ogling like obviously last week we talked a lot about (laughs) we talked a lot about naruto uh with sasuke and and um uh, sakura and naruto and um um Hinata. Like, we talk about that a lot, and that feels very much like a, this is for the fans kind of thing. Like, especially in the last episode, where they're, like, grown up, and, like, you get to see their relationships a bit. I mean, they did a movie just to have him ask out Hinata. I don't know if you've ever seen (laughs) it, but there is an entire movie called, like, The Red something-something, because the whole red string of fate thing is Japanese (laughs) culture. And it is an entire movie about Naruto, uh, like, a year or two after Shippuden and him finally getting the nerve up to ask Hinata out. When he never, like, really expressed much interest in her beyond, like, his general interest for the well-being of every other character. 
Like I mean, the closest shonen protagonist. The closest like the manga got, and then the anime replicated is like she like stands up for him like at the final battle, and like he gets up the strength to like give everybody his chakra. He just like he holds her hand and like gives her his chakra, and then gives by extension literally everybody else on the battlefield pieces of his chakra. <laughs> Because apparently his chakra well is just Infinite. Uh, unlimited. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> always been Naruto's thing. But uh, Taylor says Hinata is queen. Yep. <laughs> Hinata's yeah. what? Hinata is the queen. Yep. Listen, I love Hinata as a character, but like the relationship is is uh is um as deep as a fucking petri dish. Like <laughs> there's nothing there. <laughs> yeah, that's what like in a relationship series, like it is a little off topic, I guess. But like a relationshipy type feel like the Naruto and Sas- Sasuke and Sakura Hanata thing, I like something better that, like, the Deku and Ochaku thing, where, like, there's, like, puppy love there at first, but they're also rivals, but they're also friends, and she yeah. mostly looks up to him because he's as dumb as she is, but is now trying real hard, and she's like, I can also be dope. I'm gonna go be dope. And if they end up together listen, later, awesome. Listen, everybody wants to fuck Deku. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's be honest. There's... She's gonna come out and say it. Deku's Deku's cool. He's a sweet kid. There are only He's three people that want to. I, in the show, I'm talking about in the wider universe oh, no, of, okay. the, of the yeah. world. Because uh, in the show, it, it's just it's Todoroki, Bakugo, Chaco. Probably Mirio would, but that's just because just anything to make anyone happy. <laughs> I like so like I like um right. yeah like because like all the girls. It, it's kind of funny because Deku's kind of like the friendly kid that all the girls just like to hang out with. Because, mm-hmm. like, he doesn't hang out with most of the other, like, male characters. Like, they really, like... Uh, I noticed in the end credit sequence of the uh, of this latest season, uh, he is with um, the girls, essentially. Like, he's not hanging out with any of the other guy groups. He's hanging out with the <laughs> girls. Because they're, like, his closest friends. That at least harkens back to, like, a reasoning in the show, though. Because, yeah. because it is the last season that they were all working together on the raid. So, so they mm-hmm. all got closer together. Right. Same with, like, uh, Red yeah. Red uh, Red Riot gets a little more uh, cool screen time and, like, gets a bigger relationship part of the rest of the group. It's like, oh, fi- finally his character gets to do something more interesting. Definitely. <laughs> um, but, yeah, shipping as a whole is a very fanservice-y type thing, especially in the context of anime, because... Especially, well, I should say, especially in most shonen, because like a lot of shoujo anime is based on relationship dynamics. Like, mm-hmm. it's all about these characters like getting yeah. in and out of relationships. So it's kind of the point. Um, and I imagine that there's probably a lot of shoujo animes where it feels like the end relationship, like the one that all, all the characters ultimately end up in, does probably feel very fanservice-y. Where like I imagine that some uh, people would read that and go like, well, that doesn't make sense for their character, but I kind of wanted this, so mm-hmm. doesn't matter. It's like a Team Edward, Team Jacob kind of thing, but like with more people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of who you want to be, who you identify with more. That's right. You know, it's funny because I'm watching Fruits Basket. I don't know. I don't know how it ends, but that has been like my <laughs> eternal struggle. Is I'm like, do I want Toru to end up with Yuki or Kyo? I don't. I don't. It's Kyo, but I don't know who to choose. But Kyo. So it's Scott's like squeezing his pillow. (laughs) Like I hope it's the one. Yep. Uh, I I need I need a Kyo uh, like cat plushy thing like uh, Kagura has. 
You guys probably have no idea who any of these people are, but yeah, that's just it's Yuki can it's kind of Kyo. Yeah, Taylor's with me. We got this. So I guess like <laughs> here's a question for the panel that I think will will warrant some discussion because this is kind of a big thing that people talk about when they're talking about fan service. Do you think it's detrimental to the work as a whole to dive into the realm of fan service activity? Now, you can have a nuanced answer. I'm not saying for you to say yes or no as a whole. You could say sometimes, sometimes not. Yeah, and I, give your reasoning. That was a bit about to be my thing. Is It depends on the context of the show uh, and what you're trying to do, right? Like, uh, I generally like, if you're going with like the TNA style of fan service, I, I generally find it more ex like accessible and allowable in comedy manga, right? Because uh, mm -hmm. it like it's normally played for a lap or a lark, and it's normally a little more. Uh, it's normally a com like romantic comedy thing anyway. Like it feels a little more like yeah. juvenile and like high schoolish, which uh, like that that's a big part of being in high school. I think is like dating and getting to like like realize you're like checking out like the opposite sex or like whoever you're attracted to and stuff like that and it can be an amusing like gag once in a while i find it weird and invasive in that sense in something like a an action show right like fire force uh, we had talked about earlier where like it was funny the first time when she was introduced with the lucky lecture lore and i giggled but it gets annoying when it happens like right after a battle where like she was legit struggling with who she is as a person and what's going on in her like reality as like her perspective like i forget her name and i feel bad but like her perspectives of who is friend and who are foe is fundamentally shifting yeah uh amy chibi sure uh go ahead and ask ask away and we'll get to the question as soon as we can um but like that bothered me right like i i was like this is distracting like we just this character just mm -hmm. went through a lot and now it's like awkward because we decided to do a gag where somebody flew across the room and accidentally grabbed her boob. Oh, is my my volume is apparently a little low. Cool. Oh my goodness. That never happens. I'm normally the loudest. You're normally the dominating voice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's because I had to adjust all my stuff for work. So hopefully that's. that's a oh better. yeah. Oh. So uh, th that's my thought on that, and like I. I always love cool action fan service. I will always take a shot yeah. of the hero standing up out of the rubble, clothes tattered and falling off, and just being like, the the spoiler ish. I'm not gonna say the specifics, but like Luffy two weeks ago in One Piece, standing up and being like, I got this. Like and that was such a good shot, and that is the most fan servicey shot in like all of One Piece right now. Is is him being ready? to just tear it up and i was so in uh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm real happy about that so that i thought that was a dope one uh, yeah but that's just me um, no sure i i think oh no sharif is gone <laughs> they got they him. killed him again he got they got him. he's gone oh sharif will be back in a moment uh mission accomplished we got him probably we're gonna we're gonna look like crazy half heads for a minute uh yeah no sorry about that Oh, he's come back as a swirling box of doom. I'm trying to adjust my okay. settings. You guys can talk to the chat while I fix my mic. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm here. <laughs> you're here. You're just I'm a here. spinny box. Okay, you're finally here. 
Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> so yeah, um, I agree with Scott on a lot of those note on a lot of those fronts. Um, it really just depends. But th- I mean, let's let's. I mean, I mean, we can also think outside the box, right? Um, there's also fan service for 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 women too. There's like there's there's like the anime called Free. I mean, it's a whole it's a whole bunch of shirtless dudes swimming, yes. and a swim team. There is the whole and, beautiful and boys spend a lot things. of time looking at. Yeah, it's yeah. The beautiful boys doing things so, beautifully. I mean, there's there's female fan service. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I'm I, I won't argue with you that like there's obviously and like there's a lot of female writers in the in the industry who who work on stuff and want to incorporate their own vision. Um, I will yeah. touch on I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit more because there is a kind of um, there's a weird thought process because normally people will go, well, that's female fan service, that's female gaze, but it's like. There is a kind of backwards thinking to that because ultimately the industry as a whole is very male dominated and was created with male voices and with male viewership in mind. And then to turn those towards a different subject doesn't necessarily mean that it's now a female perspective. It can simply mean that it's internalized mechanisms of the industry you work in, but now you're just going to turn them to boys, which can be very, um, what's the word? Um, uh, I'm trying to think. I'm sorry. The what's the word? It's kind of like not revolutionary. Yeah, it, no. it topples. It topples preconceptions of how you use those tools, right? Yeah, you can so do it like in a male... positive way. Yeah. It's it's owning what's going on, right? It's turning the narrative to fit like your own needs, it's, wants, it's, and desires. It's taking it's taking the mechanics and going, uh, boom, flip them around yeah, well, and I, like, I, isn't this isn't this I weird that you guys, how you're watching? Uh, I sent you guys an article about this a few weeks ago because this is a topic I think me and Aaron uh, talk about all the time. Because generally, mm. I'm somebody who like you can do your fan service wherever you want as long as it doesn't ruin my shonen. Um, don't ruin yeah. my cool ass action scenes. Well, I don't want to see it. Why does Nami have to be that awkwardly overly I, hot? Um, I will say. Oh God. I will say that even in. Um, I'll, I'll let Sharif finish his thought because for Sharif was mentioning something, and I'll, I'll let him finish before no, I before I talk. No, I was. I was gonna say, um, like one of the biggest things is like, especially with like with Dragon Ball, like, like you know when Goku's in that final fight and his shirt comes off, like that and that and and like even a show like that, like we know when Goku's shirt goes completely off, we know it's like go time. Mm-hmm. So like it's become like this iconic thing. It's at at the point now that's like a fan service. Like at the end of Dragon Ball Super, when Goku had mastered UI and his the rest of his shirt came off, like everyone like. Can flip their lids so like it's I, like there's fan service like that too where it's like but like that like like but like put a spin on that too because like i've talked to girls that are into dragon ball and they're like yeah man when the shirts come off you know <laughs> you know so that's it for me there's a question <laughs> in there's a question in chat which i think scott was alluding to yeah i was about um, to uh, yeah. so amy chibi asks would you guys consider the anime baki with so many scenes where guys are shirtless and show muscular bodies as fan service aimed at girls too and my answer is a definite no in reality it's a fan service to men yeah. uh because that's how men want to see themselves it is a um it's almost fan service to like you know who would like that the most is fucking bodybuilders yeah uh, they watch that and they'd be like, "Oh shit, bro! Look at those fucking traps, I, bro!" I definitely think that that <laughs> is, Baki is is for like guys like me, right? Who always really loved being strong, loved like when I had muscles, uh, and like generally being in yeah. shape when I was like younger. I always thought that was cool. I've always like looked up to guys who were like big like that. 
Uh, I mean, I'm sure there are women out there who enjoy it, but like it's so overblown and so overdone. I think it's a little more grotesque, more. And this is what I. It is a little more grotesque. That's just my opinion. This, but no, that's actually that actually touches on something that I wanted to mention is that when people often talk about like, well, what about the female gaze, right? Like, what about these hot muscular men? It's like, well, sometimes that's just actually more appealing to the men because that's how men want to see themselves and how they fetishize their own bodies and want to see themselves. So, like, here's a good example. Uh, Scott, you have a beard, right? I do have a beard. Um, I once had a beard as well. Uh, it was scraggly and it looked awful. I looked, I looked, <laughs> I looked bad, guys. However, I lived on a military base. All these young men uh, did not have the ability to grow a beard; they had to keep it shaven. You know, the only compliments I ever got from a beard. Now, there are women who like beard. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. There are plenty of women who like beards, but the only compliments I ever got were all from men like yeah. oh fucking sick beard bro like yeah. men <laughs> want to visualize themselves in aspects of power and it's the main difference when we're talking about um fan service is when you talk about fan service in the tna aspect um is usually it hinders on objectification like you can objectify men yeah. too but more often than not even if you have a sexy shirtless man they're in a position of power. They have agency. You are not breaking their consensual boundaries and taking agency away from them. In fact, the reality is they usually have more agency, as in your Goku example. Yeah, I, I would say, like, when you... There there are now definitely becoming around to be modern examples of genuine, like, female gaze. Uh, it, like, Yuri on Ice is a great one for the LGBT community, but also for just, like, a female gaze where it is incredibly, like, attractive men doing like things together and like same with free free is all like the more typical like tna style of it but i think generally in shoujo the female fan service is normally more akin to the way it is in like fruits basket where it's a lot of wistful looks uh it's the like sparkling like zoom it is normally painting the men to look idyllic dreamy and they fall into you know the category so like they have every type of guy in the soma pantheon of fruits basket you have kyo who is the like grumpy angry boy who loves the fight and is quick to like be aggressive yeah but he really cares and he he ha he does he hates doing them but he, he loves to do nice things for toru but he hates doing it but he loves it there's yuki who is literally called he's a Prince. male sundere <laughs> yes he's the male sundere uh like you have um, somebody like, uh, y Yuki, who is literally called the prince, and that's what his whole thing is, uh, Shigure is the super charming, uh, like, one, and, and he, he's like, a, he is literally a dog, but he's also very charming and insightful, so you kind of like him, and, and, and like, uh, there's Hatsu, who is got, like, the rocker bad boy thing and he's always a little more revealing because he's the sexy rocker boy and so like and they, they're always shot <laughs> in ways that make them look beautiful and attractive sure. but to a different perspective because i think i'm gonna yeah. generalize here but i think guys generally were pretty like simple and we're like hey boobs yay and well I, that's and that's that's the thing though that, that's kind of like what my view of it is is that um there's a different dynamic at play uh when you shoot these men sexy and attractive there's an agency to their presence like they're sexy as people and they're desired as people whereas generally when we're talking about like fan service aimed at young men which it is most often mm -hmm. it is 
zooming in on a part of them like that does not give them agency it doesn't give them power uh, uh, so it's like here's a shot of their ass like don't you like ass you simple fool like so, uh, yes i do but like i like the woman attached that's the point like i don't see like i don't like media that objectifies people in general um and there are obviously like instances and in, in because and this is just from my experience um studying media is that obviously the people who make media are going to favor it in terms of themselves so when you have a very male-dominated industry, it's going to have a very male-dominated uh, focus. The mechanics of the visuals are going to be very male-oriented. And so, like, when women come in and they're making their stories for them, uh, they don't look at it the same as, like, trying to objectify people. So, like, if you were – if I were to give somebody an example of, like, what you would call female gaze, I would say, I guess, like, the films of Sofia Coppola – uh, I which do, are I, not anywhere near it <laughs> I, I want to cut you off just real quick and i do want to point this yeah, out because yeah. amy chibi has a, a good point uh and they mentioned that like there are mm. definitely women who enjoy like the busty girl with big hips and ass just as much as a guy like there are there is a of course there are yeah and it's same thing with guys yeah. watching the pretty boy things i mean yeah uh yep like there's a reason i like kyo it's because i think he's cooler and more pretty uh but also Two of my exes undoubtedly would be rooting for the hot girl all the time, and we would disagree over which hot girl was best girl. Uh, like that's yeah. a, like an argument I had a lot growing up because I have a weird history, and I've only dated bi girls, I guess. Uh, but like that's a real thing. Uh, <laughs> like my all my girlfriends yeah. growing up were way more into the super hot busty girl than I was. So like that's that there's an audience there for that as well. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's, and I. I, I will answer to Amy Chibi. Um, obviously, again, we're talking more about when we discuss these kind of things, we're focused on specifically how it's framed, what it's implying, and what kind of agency and power does it give the characters you're displaying. So, like, yeah, women like ass and titties, too. No doubt. <laughs> um, but it's still the same problem. You're still objectifying the subject. In pr this, this is a person, and you're still objectifying them like either way the power dynamic is still there um you can still find a female character attractive without having to objectify them is ultimately the point because you're attracted to gotcha. them you're attracted to everything about them body physical personality all of it it comes into play but when you're specifically cutting off these elements of them and putting them on prominent display as if they were their own separate things you were inherently uh objectifying a piece of them like yes, I love boobies, but I do. I don't want a pair of severed boobies. I, <laughs> I have no desire for that. Well, now, maybe I don't know. Now, well, and like I, I guess too, I, I kind of wanted to piggyback off of what 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 Aaron said real quick. It, 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 at the end of the day, it does all come down to a matter of perspective, right? And mm -hmm. I, I think that's what fan service is. Just kind of like it, it, it's it comes down to perspective. Um, and that's what we like to, and that's what a lot of people like to talk about. It's because like fan service in anime is 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 pretty much like the crux of it. But like I feel like that's with any type of media, fan service is just kind of like a crux in everything, and it's always down to a matter of pers uh, perspective. Um, so I, I mean, yeah, it's like like what you like. I mean, there's a lot of girls that like One Piece, and like you know, there's a lot of you know, and they're really good female characters in One Piece. Nami's a great character. Robin is a great character. They have like layers of depth. Now, after the time skip, yes, I know they 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 got a lot sexier, but I'm not gonna go into that. <laughs> but, 
Oh no. But, um, <laughs> they've gone. That's, that, that's because that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother topic. That's a whole nother can that, of worms. That's my only well, qual like qualm I, I can ever think of with One Piece is I'm like I don't like Nami's adult design. I will. So, so yeah. I guess um, to kind of tie it back to the entire discussion, I do want to read a little bit from this paper. It's titled "Nonsensical Is Our Thing: Queering Fan Service as Delusional Desire Production in Studio Triggers Kill a Kill." That's a long title. Kill a um, Kill is fun. Here's the thing about Kill a Kill, and this article kind of goes into it. Life. Kill a Kill is all about inversing the idea of fan service to send a political message that is freeing. Um, and really, there's a really good video essay that also talks about this, but like, it's all playing off the idea of the Japanese word for fashion and fascism being so similar and close to each other. And so there's a lot of themes of fascism in the show that tie directly to fashion in the show, the clothing choices and everything like that. Oh, no. Uh, so while God Sharif reconnects, uh, I do think that is a very good point, uh, Amy Chibi. Uh, I, I did give that a read uh, about how, like, a lot of guys do enjoy Sailor Moon and how they, the, like, that trope of the magical girl has gotten to evolve into a very different genre that is less objectifying, like, younger girls and more like it, it's dark and has really cool themes and stuff i haven't watched uh madoka magica but i've seen a bunch of stuff i've seen some hella dope music videos and that looks like a wild and very cool and mature twist on the genre uh yeah but yeah i, I, I will I say get, i also i will say Amy Chibi, the twi i will say that you'll you'll enjoy this next section because it talks about how sailor moon itself um kind of sparked this interest in the female form that then got turned into this desire for fan service and morphed back into the current zeitgeist because um, as the brilliant artist bnl once said sailor i've got to get in tune with sailor moon because that cartoon has got the boom anime babes to make me think the wrong thing yeah <laughs> that's right okay, i so quote a bare naked ladies today what up <laughs> Oh my god. Alright, so this is from a, a, a section uh, of that paper called The Emergence and Convergence of Fan Service Girls Rule, Boys Drool. That's the title of this specific section. Um, as Kanako Shinokawa and Saito Tamaki, among many others, claim, the fighting girl genre arose out of the complex crossover readership of boys and girls comics during the 1970s in Japan, culminating in the emergence of both the otaku circuit and its magical animator, the kawaii but dangerously known scary heroine, uh, a kawaii, a kawaii scary heroine. Um, Shiokawa writes that the emergence of shoujo manga or girls comics is the first and foremost contributor to the present day mass consumption of anything cute, a movement that identified with the female virtues of the cute, of the kawaii. Fan service was thusly born out of the conflation of sexy and cute. Um, oh, sorry, I lost my place here. Uh, uh, We're just gonna on. note right now that I'm I'm the the kawaii mascot of the the chat. Right? <laughs> it's true. Uh, born out of the conflation of sexy and cute, as naughty male fans began making auteur manga that recreated storylines, characters, and the universe of their favorite series, thereby sexualizing the girl heroines in girl comics. Rule thirty four. Uh, you could have said rule thirty. 
Yeah, the pseudo-pornographic voyeurism <laughs> leaned on exhibitionism, transforming the cute girl characters and girls' manga stories into sexier counterparts that were dressed in ever skimpier attire. Girl heroines are depicted as cute schoolgirls, possessing lethal powers either by means of weaponry or other forms of supernatural powers, uh, either magical or physical. This conflation of the cute girl, who is most certainly described as a passive heroine, excluding virtues of fragility, delicateness, sensitivity, prettiness, with the male written, active, and tenacious warrior women, became the model for many 1980s shonen heroines. Okay, so that's that's the first part. And I think that's an interesting idea, is that the shoujo animes got boys interested, but only for the sexy part, so they started creating their own things based off the shoujo animes, but they were way more... Uh, voyeuristic and uh, sexualized. Yeah, it is the evolution of art and the permutation and like the way things shift naturally. Like, I mean, it, like you can break this down with anything. I mean, if you look at right film and television, like eventually both I, comedy I love movies this kind of stuff, and though. porn came into existence. Oh, this that's <laughs> uh, porn is actually an interesting part of this equation. We're getting into some porn, guys. I'm sorry, we got to talk about porn. Unfortunately, furthermore. <laughs> It is important to recall that the distribution of home video animated pornography in the 1980s, influenced by uh, Gekika-style manga in the pinky porn film movement, I gotta look into that, I don't know what that is, of the late 1970s, <laughs> as well as limited by stringent Japanese censorship laws, allowed for the distribution of erotica to the masses, especially to a younger generation. It also led as to Barbie. Yes. <laughs> as as Shinokawa notes, the overall trend of genre crossover produced at an acute rise in more sexually explicit materials for publications aimed at much younger readers. Hence, the process of rapidly decreasing the length of heroine skirts would not have existed without otaku activities, such as the publication of underground fanzines, fan fiction, and fan erotica. Rule 34. Like, again, you could have just said Rule 34. It is kind of funny. This was, like, this was like Rule 34 leading back to, like, this would be if Rule 34 just became a part of our regular culture. So, like, if it's all not. of Rule 34 stuff started bleeding into basically the stuff we already, like, that we make now. It doesn't? In a way, I suppose it does. Um, I was, was going to say, I think it does. Rule 34 <laughs> is literally that anything on the internet, will, anything that exists will just become porn. It's <laughs> the reality of people. We're terrible. <laughs> I, I will say, like, I don't know if you guys have ever, like, there are articles about, like, that interview people who specifically take commissions to draw the stuff that you see on Rule 34. Mm -hmm. Because what's funny about it is, like, normally it's not specifically, like, fan-created. It's fans asking artists to... Like, and they make their living off this. Like, most yeah. artists that are, like, new make their living specifically off of doing, like, pornographic imagery uh, uh, based off people's, like, desires. I, I, okay. I, 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 I understand where Aaron's coming from. Yeah, I have read, I have, I, there was actually a documentary that I saw on the hist on History Channel um, about, like, mangaka and how a lot of mangaka, and how a, oh am I am I dying? No, you're good. No, no, I said I said aliens. <laughs> I said, oh no, you said aliens. Okay, no, but there there um a lot of early mangaka to get their start in Japan, um a lot of them and a lot of them I know from the one interview that they did with this one guy from Japan on this uh 
thing I watched on the History Channel. He did do- he he did he did basically comic pornography manga pornography for 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 a few years just so he could build up his reputation and his skills just so he could do something you know that wasn't in you know in that category yeah. um but yeah that is a th- that that is a that is a thing a lot of mangakas get their start um they have to start doing something yeah, so I, I mean um i don't know if it was yeah. like non-h or if it was actually hentai stuff but clamp is a studio that i enjoy uh fairly often they made subasa they made holic which is one of my favorite mangas of all time um they made card fight vanguard overdress but we'll get into that later uh, <laughs> and like they they started as a doujin group they were a, uh, i think there's five female authors in the original clamp i want to say and they wrote doujin uh like and that's how they got started so it, it's interesting how much like fan service inspires like fan works which lead to new works it's kind of an interesting way of how art permutates uh throughout everything and how, how like creativity spawns other weirder ways yeah. of creativity yeah and, and i do know i do know that abg that's one of my favorite facts <laughs> i like that they draw each other's characters <laughs> in books it's very cute yeah uh, we, we talked about that on the show i think like two weeks ago right where we were like discussing hunter hunter randomly i always forget the art the the, the lady who makes sailor moon but uh togashiro is the guy who makes hunter hunter and you all nina if nina had heard that she would come like bursting through the door uh, like an anime character just like exploding through the door i'm sorry uh, <laughs> um well, I guess uh, we've been going for a little over an hour. Uh, so, Aaron, do you have any, like, final questions uh, for the roundtable so we can kind of start bringing us towards a close? Sure. I was going to read a little bit more about this, but if you do want to, like, read this article, it's really interesting. It's it's quite long and goes into different facets. Uh, it's all about Kill a Kill. Like, uh, as I stated, the, the article is about Kill a Kill, and it's called... I'm sorry, let me one more time. Nonsensical is our thing. Queering fan service as delusional desire production in studio triggers kill la kill. Um, yeah, we'll try a, and tweet it out this week on uh, the, the SOS and Roman That's Bear, a good idea. Uh, um, Twitters. We'll, we'll yeah. drop that so you guys can read the whole thing and check it out in your uh, leisure time. I will say, um, and this is kind of looking to the future as we uh, close out, looking to the future, I'm really happy to see artists playing around more uh, with these ideas, subverting them, turning subverting was the word I was looking for earlier. God damn it! Uh, subverting these concepts, putting them on their head, using them to parody, using them to make political points, um, and genuine, generally like taking the kind of outdated concepts they had about uh, you know voyeurism and then putting pushing them to more constructive avenues. Um, we're not quite there yet. I will say that like. I'm watching, like, the latest season of uh, My Hero, right? And there's just a lot more ass shots than I was expecting. And I was like... I haven't seen I, it yet. Are there? Yeah. I haven't like, watched it yet. Oh, my God. Like, it's like, what? where is all these butt shots coming from? Like, I knew that, like, obviously, um, My Hero is not exempt from fan service. They have plenty of it. Like, Mountain Lady is there just to be a fucking fan service. Like, she's, she's just there to, for, like, with, people to, like, go... Mountain Lady and not Midnight? Midnight is definitely a... Here's the thing about Midnight, though, is that Midnight's kind of interesting in that her uh, her attractiveness and her... She's never, like... I never see her framed in the way uh, Mount expect. Lady is. <laughs> well, like, yeah, she's... Mount Lady is very sexualized in the show, and, like, her character leans into that for, like, publicity. But Midnight is... Uh, they, they don't necessarily frame her the same, 
and obviously her dominatrix um kind of vibe gives her a little more agency and strength and her power is kind of based off it so it's interesting yeah classic um, i think you're like, right i think mountain lady was introduced with a like money shop-esque moment she was, was literally like, shot like she comes in with her ass <laughs> just like bounces off it. she's like oops and like the, all the camera people are like like literally everybody in the crowd starts like taking photos it's like oh i hope this isn't an indication of how the rest of the show is going to go but okay we're sticking with it <laughs> well, i like how deku doesn't seem to be like enamored with her in that way it's just kind of no, funny he, he, deku just heroes are cool and yeah. However, they do. This article yeah. does make note of that type of character who does not sexually exploit characters, but is in fact part of the equation. Anyway, um, I I want to see more media kind of phase out these more like outdated things because like I don't think obviously like I have my own opinions. I don't think that media. I, I'm never going to impose my rules or law onto media. That is not how I want art to be made. Art is free. Um, art, art is a freeing experience and should be. Uh, nothing is off limits. It's just that these are, it's not that these are those like niche experiences. This is a common occurrence, which is why when we say fan service, every otaku knows what the fuck we're talking about. Um, and I'd like to be see it become more of like a kind of kind of fade into the background or to the history and like let's move forward and do some more cool stuff. And like we said, there can be cool fan service. Like, we can get hero shots that we've always wanted to see our main characters finally get the moment like they deserve. Um, and that will still work with the narrative. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, that, not to cut you off again, Aaron, but yeah, like, you know, Fairy Tale is another great example of a... a as the show went on... Uh, it, it, <laughs> your fairy tale. Uh, it relied more and more on just uh, fan service, uh, which, like, again, like I'm somebody who generally doesn't mind fan service but when it becomes distracting it's a problem so i guess my closing thought on the fan service thing is i would like to see it done intelligently more often because i like i like having every tool in a toolbox when you're working on something but you should know when to use the tool and like we said earlier with fire force using it to break tension immediately after a character had a serious moment was probably not the right way to do it uh yep. so uh don't don't put a lucky letter lore um <laughs> don't, don't don't let the Minetas win. Uh, but keep with all the really dope shots of Luffy putting his hat on and looking like shit's going down. Yeah, and like I said, that's yeah. a that's a there's and that's the difference that I like to express is that. I was about to ask Sharif for his closing thoughts, and now he's gone. Uh, no, Sharif, Sharif is going to explode onto the screen shirtless with a Luffy hat. <laughs> um. <laughs> But I will say, uh, uh, adding on to that, is that let's stop objectifying people and let's give them power fantasies instead. That's what media. That's what media is usually all about. Is like, if we're gonna give somebody fan service, let it be their power fantasy. You know, like let them let them envision themselves in that perspective. Let them feel cool. Let them feel interesting. Uh, sadly, it looks like Sharif might be KO'd for good. Oh my god! But uh. uh... We'll get his closing thoughts, and don't forget the pre-orders of uh, the newly minted Aaron Naked Body Pillow will probably go up next week, so keep an eye out for that. And uh, It's empowering. <laughs> thanks to uh, Taylor. Ah, oh, no, wait, he's back! Sharif, are you back? back. Can you the make your closing returns. thoughts? Oh, and closing thoughts? Yes, I do have closing thoughts. Um, Yeah, when it comes to fan service in a nutshell, um, it, it's definitely how you use it. 
Um, different genres have different ways of using it. Um, but it's it's honestly at the end of the day, if you enjoy what you enjoy, I mean, whether the fan service is normally good or bad is dependent on you. Um, and you just make your call whether you want to trudge on and continue it or ignore it or you know stop watching it because of X, Y, and Z. It's all perfectly fine. But it fan service is an integral part to what you know in media and what you know our fandoms. So. It's one of those things like you can't escape it. So it is what it is. And that's going to be the end of the show, guys. Yeah. If you didn't know, this has been the Super Otaku Show. As always, I am Bear, joined by Sharif, the Shooting Star Sheriff, and Aaron, my Roman half. Thank you so much to Taylor Made Otaku, Amy Chibi, and Classic for chiming in throughout the show. We appreciate all the <laughs> questions and all the additional help. And uh, don't forget, you guys can find us on Twitter at Super Otaku Show 1 <clears throat> or anywhere that podcasts are available and uh, we'll catch you guys next sunday at 6 p.m eastern standard time until then and, so long. and don't forget our parent channel the roman bear productions hey cool good show guys <laughs>